You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's me, your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you want to stay tuned to the latest and greatest in the Winnipeg Jets news and analysis, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so doesn't cost you a single cent and ensures you never miss another episode. Tonight's podcast is brought to you by Stat Hero, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that gives the player the advantage. Go to stathero.com slash locked on for 300% back on your first play. On tonight's show, we are going to be continuing our best winners and losers in the NHL season. We've covered some of Winnipeg's top performers and some of the players who I felt maybe could have given a bit more. We're going to finish with our Jets winners and losers before looking around the NHL and talking about a few other teams that maybe maybe didn't quite meet expectations or some of these other teams that were massive surprises. From Winnipeg's roster, though, let's talk about some additional winners. One of them is going to be Logan Stanley. Now, Stanley had a fairly uneven season, and I think it'd be, you know, very disingenuous to say otherwise. As much fun as Logan Stanley is, and it was awesome that he scored two playoff goals against Montreal, let's be honest. Stanley is most likely a third-pairing D. Now, he can be competent if you don't put him under a lot of pressure against really fast, really skilled forwards. If you play Logan against guys who are maybe not quite as fleet of foot or really rapid encounters, you know, I, I think you can actually use him pretty comfortably on the third pairing. Give him somebody who can shore up the details, who's a little bit faster, and can handle some of the more agile, smaller guys, and I think you'll do fine. Stanley is a competent third-pairing D. He looks like a quality number six, and if he starts to develop his shot a bit more and actually makes better decisions about when and where to shoot, there's a decent player there who might actually be able to contribute on the power play. But, you know, the other issue with Stanley is that once you kind of move past his really big shot and some of his physicality and stuff, some of the decision-making and occasionally his defensive awareness, it is a little bit questionable, Part of it, I think, is systems-based. I think Stanley tends to thrive in systems that are a little more straightforward, which is kind of the exact opposite of what Winnipeg tends to do, right? The Jets have a very complicated system, and it's not super shocking that oftentimes guys struggle with it. Even established veterans, you know, a lot of veteran D don't really thrive in Winnipeg. The guys who do are probably space aliens and really special for some reason, so I'm not going to hold Logan accountable for some of that stuff. You know, I think that the system's in general not super conducive to the way that he plays. I've cited him as a winner, though, because he worked very hard to get where he is. He has shown incredible growth throughout his entire career. And when I say incredible growth, don't get me wrong. We're not talking about a guy working his way up to the first pairing. But considering where Logan was starting from and the point that he joined uh, the professional ranks, you know, it didn't really look like he would actually be more than a third-pairing AHLD. There was pretty legit concern if Stanley would ever crack the big show and have an NHL role. You know, his foot speed was bad, his decision-making and IQ were basically, you know, minor league level, and his ability on the puck was pretty questionable. But over the years, he's worked to fine-tune a lot of his tool sets, maybe simplify some of his reads, improve in other areas, make his skill set a bit more well-rounded, and also work in some more quality offensive attributes that translate from the junior leagues to the professional ranks. And, you know, Stanley's done a pretty good job over the past couple of seasons of growing his game. 
They're pretty big strides relative to where he was starting from, so for that, I give him a lot of credit. Now, should Logan be protected in the expansion draft? The answer is no. I like Logan a lot. I think that he does have a role as a Winnipeg Jet, but I don't think he's worth an expansion slot. I also don't see him as somebody that the Jets should be paying assets to protect. He can be a very competent third pairing D, but, but you really have to be careful allocating these protection slots because they're so valuable, especially for a team like the Jets. If you can lose a roster player that doesn't really have a major role and isn't likely to cause your team to suddenly collapse, especially in an expansion draft with a really smart team, I think you're doing pretty well. Given the options available to the Kraken, I don't think that Stanley would actually be the one selected anyways, so I think you can actually expose him without too much worry. Logan probably understands the situation, I think he'd be comfortable with it, and if he were to move to Seattle, in my mind that's probably an upgrade. I think that that would be a nice boost for his career, he's likely to get a lot more ice time, and I think he'd be a fan favorite. Like I said though, I don't really envision the Kraken taking him. I don't think he's their kind of player, at least based on the brain trust that they've assembled. I think if somebody like Andrew Kopp was to be exposed, they'd probably look at his contract rights first. All that said, you know, Logan Stanley, he is a winner this season. And I think for the Jets, they're probably pleased that he has in fact taken the role of a quality third pairing D. Limit your expectations and what you ask of him and you'll be rewarded. You know, he's a guy that you can trust with decent minutes, maybe like 12 to 15 a night, I think is probably the max. But I'd honestly try him on the power play. I think there's something there with that. You know, his shooting is pretty decent. He just has trouble finding the back of the net. And certainly getting on target is a big issue with him. He's a volume shooter, but maybe he could direct those attempts a little bit more carefully. Pretty decent debut season from him. I do think that the uh, the latter stages of the past couple of games that he played probably are, are warning signs that you need to be careful about how much you play him. But, you know, for a third pairing guy, not too bad. I do think there are a couple of other winners and losers from the Winnipeg Jets that we'll get to in just a moment, but before talking about more individual players, I will say that collectively I do think the Jets kind of had one losing moment, and that's probably been this this Montreal series reaction. The quotes and stuff that have been coming from the team, I've been a bit disappointed by, and I'm not really surprised by any of it because I think Winnipeg, you know, I think there's an accountability issue. It's been a theme here and there throughout the past couple of seasons that the Jets maybe don't always own up to their issues. But then Dopp suspended, you know, Mark Shifley in a situation in which there were a lot of other hits that probably could have been given similar suspensions, but they didn't because there was no injury. And Shifley kind of lost his temper. Now, is he right that Dopps was pretty crappy about this? Yeah, I think Dopps was very inconsistent. While the decision and suspension I agree with, I certainly understand why players would feel frustrated that they see this stuff all the time and it's never penalized. That said, what I didn't appreciate was that there was no ownership of having been the one to actually make the hit and, and you know, injure Evans. If you think that you didn't do anything wrong, well, you're probably not in the right mindset. Instead, the Jets have played the victim card, and I'm not really sure I think that's the best way to go about it. I feel like, you know, Mark Shifley and especially the rest of the Jets have kind of put themselves in the spotlight for reasons most other fan bases aren't going to appreciate. Certainly, I don't think the Jets really care about that, but it's not a great look for the organization, and I think the Jets are going to want to avert course here pretty soon. At some point, they need to own up to their mistakes, and thus far, you know, the only guy who's really said he was struggling and, and it wasn't injury-related or anything was Pierre-Luc Dubois, the new kid. Not a great sign for Winnipeg, and it's probably one of the reasons I think the Jets overall have probably been considered a bit of a loser this season. That aside, though, we'll talk more about some of the individual players that I think have, you know, continued to excel or maybe struggled this season. But before we continue, I did want to tell you a little bit about Stat Hero, tonight's title sponsors. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is that really surprising? It's rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, and a lot of those players are experts who have the tools, knowledge, and know-how to make your life miserable. 
You don't stand a chance. That's why Stat Hero is here to help. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. I've played a lot of fantasy leagues, and to be honest, I don't think I'm very good at it. You know, trying to predict your opponent's lineups and matching up against that, it's not easy. So what Stat Hero brings is extremely fun, I think it's a great idea, and you should sign up. Because with Stat Hero, you're in total control. It's DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash LockedOnNHL, sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match, that's unheard of, go to stathero.com slash LockedOn. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading. Maybe you've dabbled in some of this. Maybe you don't really know much about it at all. If you want to stop messing around though and truly grow your long-term wealth, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. There's no manual trading, no picking stocks, and no anxiously watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. All you need is $500 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash LockedOnNHL to start growing your savings. Go to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnNHL and get started today. Make it to the moon, my friends. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at some of the winners and losers from Winnipeg season. We'll move on to a couple more NHL teams after this, but let's focus on the Jets for now. I'm sure the wounds of the playoff exit are probably still fresh in everyone's minds, but we're not going to dwell on it too much. Let's talk about some of our top players and some of the guys who struggled. I think one of the players that probably you could classify as a winner in many ways would be Mason Appleton. Mason was a guy that I wasn't really high on a couple of seasons ago. I felt like he would be a perfunctory third liner. You know, it didn't seem like his decision making and his skill sets were anything to write home about. He wasn't like particularly bad or anything, but it also wasn't like he was amazing either. There were predictions that he could turn into like another Andrew Kopp, but it was kind of hard to see that at times, especially when he wasn't really producing. Over the past couple of seasons, though, Mason has really turned it around, and he started to show a few more offensive traits and a little bit of flair that maybe makes him more valuable than people expected. His hot run of form did kind of cool off towards the end of this season, but for the most part, I think Appleton did a pretty good job in a versatile middle six role. I'd say, you know, Appleton is definitely like a third liner, but if you're in a pinch and you need like a second line transition winger who can also help with defensive duties and stuff, I don't think Appleton's the worst guy to turn to. He's kind of got that cop versatility of being capable of playing just about anywhere, and he's actually got a pretty decent shot. I think what he does best is just sort of drive to the net like cop does. He's willing to crash into the dirty areas, and because of his strength and skill, and a pretty good shot and release, I think he's got a lot of traits that make him an effective middle six winger. I don't think that you want to be giving him like lots of top line ice time, but again, if you're in a pinch and you need a quality winger who can maybe score, maybe help you with some defensive responsibility, assist on the PK, and maybe be a bit of a pest on something like the the power play, I think, you know, Appleton ticks off a lot of boxes. He's also decently young enough to join your team longer term, and I think he's got some upside. 
Again, I wouldn't expect the world from him, but I think he's done a good job of showcasing why maybe he does deserve to be considered for protection. I don't know if he's actually going to be because, you know, the Jets have a lot of guys to, to protect and kind of work onto this roster long term. But I definitely think he's the kind of guy that's, you know, somebody the Jets are going to try to con- consider keeping around for a decent amount of time. Again, I wouldn't pay assets to retain him, but if he does manage to stick around past this year, I'd be pretty happy about that. On the losing side of things, I think we've got to talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois. This has been a really rough year for him. You know, PLD came from Columbus where things sounded like they were pretty rough, relatively speaking. He didn't seem happy. There was a lot of upheaval and turmoil with that team. And Dubois was looking for a really fresh start. And he came to Winnipeg hoping to find it. And instead, the season wasn't great. He said in his exit interview that there was no injury really prohibiting him from performing. He just seemingly struggled. And I think that in a lot of ways, people were kind of like, oh, well, if there's no excuse for his performance, that's automatically a bad thing. And yeah, it's it's not good. That's what I'll say. It's it's not good. But I think in a year like this, I, th- I think people should probably give him a little bit more time. I think there's a version of PLD that is actually a very effective, very good player. I just think right now, systematically speaking, the Jets don't play the style that suits him. And a lot of times... I don't think it was a lack of effort so much as he just didn't know what he was supposed to do. A lot of plays and stuff, he would make a pass and was seemingly confused as to why there was no one there in the space that he was passing into, which is maybe something that would would not have been the situation if he was in Columbus. And I think constantly turning the puck over because there was no one there to support him maybe made him hesitate a lot more than he'd expect. So there would be this extra layer of frustration with his game that's maybe a bit induced by the Jets as much as it is himself. All that said, I was surprised at just how much Dubois struggled here. I I thought that he would have a better debut for the Jets, but to be honest, in most games he was something of a liability. Again though, I'm not really ready to write him off. I think that there's a lot in his skill set and his tool set that I think is going to make him a really special player, and I hope that he actually finds his game again with the Jets. If Winnipeg can figure out a way to harness what truly makes him special, especially down low and in front of goalies, he's going to be an absolute menace. He's got a huge build, he's got a ton of upper body strength, he's got a pretty decent amount of finesse, and he's got the kind of traits and tool sets that I think make him a very special player. Now, he's going to be a bit of a project to get, I guess, integrated into this squad long term, but hopefully the Jets find the best place for him and he actually excels. I don't know if he's going to be Winnipeg's second-line center of the future and present, but hey, he's 22, he's very skilled, we've seen the best of him at times, you know, with the Columbus Blue Jackets, not too recently, but certainly in previous seasons. I think it would be a bit much to kind of throw him to the trash can. Yeah, he's going to look like a guy who's maybe not super active and engaged, but I think his style is just very alien to how the Jets play. If they can make the most of his tool sets and find a way to actually play to his strengths, they're going to have a really special gem on their hands. For this season, though, yeah, he's definitely going to have to be on the losing tally, and it's unfortunate because I had a lot of hope for him. Didn't quite pan out yet. We've spent a decent amount of time talking about Winnipeg's uh, winners and losers, and I thought it might be a good idea to talk about some of the teams from around the NHL that have maybe a, a reason to be optimistic or some things that are warning flags for him. We'll check out a couple of these teams in just a moment. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you about the greatness that is rockauto.com and why they should be the only place you buy your auto parts. When it comes to auto part shopping, a lot of us are either inexperienced or even if we know what we're looking for, we might not know the best prices to be paying. If you want to stop wasting time and money, look no further than rockauto.com. 
They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle, as well as setting a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you're looking for a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, they're sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing, so why shop anywhere else? RockAuto.com never charges a membership fee, and all customers pay the same prices no matter their level of experience or industry. When you place your order, be sure to write locked in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today and tell them Locked On sent you. You won't find a better auto parts store to buy from, I guarantee it. Visit rockauto.com and get started today. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are talking about winners and losers from the NHL season. We've covered the Jets in detail. Now I thought it might be time to look at some of the NHL teams from around the league, especially this year. Maybe a couple of teams that were star performers, and some squads that have room for improvement. Winner number one is going to be a bit of an under-the-radar pick, but I have to say that the Minnesota Wild were probably one of my biggest risers. I feel like the Wild for many seasons have kind of been spinning their tires, and it's hard to tell what direction they're going. With the emergence of Kirill Kaprizov, though, and the really star young talent that he brings, as well as a pretty decent veteran experienced roster that's got some underrated talent and depth, you know, Minnesota is starting to push into at least playoff contention. I don't think that they're a particularly great squad in terms of like a lot of high-end talent, but the foundations are there for something a bit more competitive. And when they return to the Central Division next year, I have a feeling Winnipeg is going to have a really hard time getting past them. You know, that that wild team definitely had really great goaltending, you know, maybe masked a couple of their defensive and maybe goal-scoring issues, but there were parts of the season where the Wild genuinely looked like a top team in the NHL. Are they that team consistently? I I don't think so, but There's a lot to like there. I have to say that they were a big surprise. They can probably qualify this season as a win. Minnesota will make hay in the Central Division in the coming years. Also on the list of winners, you could probably argue that the Nashville Predators sneaking their way after a really rough uh, regular season and getting into the playoffs, probably better than they could have hoped for. The Preds have always had a bit of a deficit when it comes to goal-scoring talent. That's something that they haven't really worked around, and it's because it seems like their management and, and coaching staff tends to prefer like more depth players than they do really high-end goal-scoring talent other than like Philip Forsberg. And while I can appreciate like a well-balanced lineup, I do think that they tend to lack a lot of star talent, so it is good to see a, a team like them starting to embrace guys like Ailey Tolvanen and a few others who bring bonafide goal-scoring high-end talent to a roster that traditionally relies more on, on play creation and play-driving ability than it does goal-scoring. That Yusaceros can also be an elite goaltender at times is a really important thing. I mean, that kid has a lot of potential. He's had some up-and-down stretches here and there over the past couple of seasons, but Saros has always been somebody pinned to be a potential franchise goalie, and if he actually finds that form consistently, behind a defense that's pretty active and staunch, you know, the Preds, they're going to be a tough out. I don't know that I'm really concerned about them long-term, but they've got some decent players, they've got a good mixture of talent, and if they start to embrace more of a skilled lineup, yeah, the Preds are going to be nasty. On the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to roster construction is the Edmonton Oilers. They're very top-heavy, and they were a huge loser this season. Getting swept in the playoffs by the Winnipeg Jets of all teams, it's an ugly look, right? Obviously, I don't think it's something that should be looked at as being McDavid's fault or Dreisaitl's fault. I look at that roster, and I think that there's just a lot of dead weight, and only McDavid can carry so much of it, you know? He and the other star young players, of which there are only a handful when you think about it, they can't be asked to carry the load of an entire roster when the team itself is not constructed with a lot of depth. Ken Holland, in my mind, really hasn't done a great job of fortifying the team beyond bringing in some like fourth liners and one or two defenders who are not really of the defensively minded sort. 
So, you know, the Oilers, they're kind of in a tough spot. And at some point, McDavid's going to get fed up and ask for some kind of a move, I would imagine. There's only so much that you can expect a young star franchise player who's one of the most skilled players in NHL history to accept before he finally throws the towel in. If I were McDavid, I would have been kind of barking at the GM for a while now because you look at that team and it's just not improving. Force change and be an advocate for your own team's success. I think it's something that a lot of young players are starting to get more vocal about. And we actually have another team that I would consider a loser in Buffalo that's kind of starting to push in that direction. You know, Jack Eichel, he's kind of upset with where the team is. And it sounds like he's on his way out. Can't say I blame him either. You know, when it comes to player rights and stuff, a lot of people say, well, you should be loyal to the franchise that signed and drafted you. But, you know, that's a two-way street. If the team isn't doing it enough to hold up its end of the bargain... You know, you've got to be an advocate for yourself. Ultimately, you know, players should be looking out for their own interests because it's their careers and their bodies. They're the ones putting themselves out there on the line for these teams. And if the teams aren't really investing enough back, you know, at some point you got to cut your ties. That said, I do worry at some point that that's going to come back to bite the Jets. We've already seen Line kind of feel like he was on the outs. And I feel like Shifley for a while has given hints that he's not happy with the way things are. You know, this, this explosion that he had in the postseason and the way that he reacted. It felt like somebody who's been pissed for a long time and was kind of holding it in. I'm sure there are a lot of teams like this where players are just not pleased with the direction and at some point it's going to boil over. And as some of these younger guys get more and more outspoken, maybe we'll see teams actually follow suit and make changes. Empowering players to feel like they should be able to speak about their team's performance should be a thing that is encouraged. You know, it can often lead to really positive results if you actually listen to what their frustrations are and make some kind of move to improve upon them. Unless, of course, you're the Jets and you think everything is fine, which I don't think the Jets actually think everything is fine. I think they probably aren't happy with the direction the team has taken, but they're not going to say that in the uh, the exit interview, it doesn't seem like. Or if they really believe that, then yeah, the Jets have some serious accountability issues, that's for sure. There are certainly a lot more losers and winners from around the league, but for this episode, we're going to cut it off there. I'll have more thoughts on this over the weekend, but we will close here tonight. Before you log off, don't forget to check out the Locked On Today podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.